0: Welcome to another episode of Books, Kids, and Creations, a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Tracy Bloom, and I feature people who inspire and uplift future generations with their work. And today's guest is definitely somebody who inspires future generations and current generations with their work. Um, Steens is an award-winning cartoonist, professor, professor, uh, creator of multiple award-winning books and um, very talented artist. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So um, I had the honor of reading your, your newest book, Heart Takes a Stage, yes. and um, it's such a cool book, and I, the thing that I really loved about it is that basically on every page, there's kind of a ha-ha funny yeah, like is this some kind of like formula? Or is it
1: like, do you yeah, have kind of it's method to your to your? Yeah, book? for sure. I mean, you know, that book is, I call it a collection rather than a graphic novel, because it doesn't work the same way as most comics do. There's not like a beginning, middle and end. So you don't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be my entire story right here in this book. It's really just a collection of all the strips that I've done from when I took on heart takes, uh, when I took on heart of the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, so yeah, the the focus is definitely to make sure that there is a punchline for every single strip, because that's just the way newspaper strips work. You know, you're not sure if everyone's going to be using or looking at the newspaper every single day. Um, So you have to go into it thinking that this is all anyone's ever going to get. You know, and you also have to think of it as but there are people who are reading it daily and then there are an entirely different group of people who are only reading it in the collections. So you kind of have to think about, well, who's reading it? How are they reading it? And what's the best way to get it across? But my number one priority is for the syndicate, which is the newspapers. So that's why it seems like, you know, each strip is its yeah. own little story because it is. Yeah. Well, I,
0: I really enjoyed it and it got my wheels turning because I started thinking, you know, I wonder, are they a illustrator first or how did you start out? Like, did you start writing first and then drawing or drawing first and then writing?
1: What was uh, your like? I would say, honestly, a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Um, I personally don't like writing. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would rather do anything but writing. Um, but I consider myself a cartoonist. And so a cartoonist is someone that writes and illustrates their work. So. And I think that a writer is someone who can write for someone else, even if they're not going to be the ones drawing it. And I don't do that at (laughs) all. (laughs) If I'm writing it, I'm going to be drawing it as well. So I consider myself a cartoonist in that way. Um, But when I did start, yeah, I was definitely doing more of the drawing than the actual creation of stories. I have a hard time with creating stories from scratch, which is... I I think I I work better with IP, you know, someone else's uh, characters, and even though I was able to take Heart of the City and really make it my own, you know, how it looks now is totally different from how it looked back when it started with Mark Tuttuli, so um, it was really easy for me to get into it because it had pretty much everything already laid out for me. I already know the setting. I already know the characters. And now I'm building upon that to give them more of a three-dimensional aspect of their character. I'm building out the character list. So it's not just Hart and Dean and her mother and her babysitter. Now we get more of the school students. We get more adults. And um, I really appreciate being able to uh blossom with yeah. this this uh with this property
0: how did that come about that mm. opportunity to kind of take over this existing storyline and make it your own and make it new and fresh
1: so i was i mean i have always read syndicated comic strips i feel like everyone's read a newspaper comic strip yeah. growing up you know um especially when you know i was younger in the early 90s like the first thing that I would do in the morning is get the daily comics page and see what Garfield was doing, you know? So I had a a background in reading and uh, understanding the way that syndicated comics work. and when I was making comics, I wasn't just uh, doing short stories. I wanted to do retellings. And so I would do mini comics like I did an Encyclopedia Brown mini comic where you know, I took that character and that IP and created it something of my own. And I like to do new character designs and it's stuff like that that shows people that I can take an established property and make it into something new. And uh, Sheena Wolf, who was my editor uh, at Andrews McNeil, she reached out to me and she asked, what do you think about doing syndicated comics? And I was like, well, I've read them before. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure I could figure it out. But I did ask her, you know, like, what was it about my work that made her look to me as someone who could take on the series? And she said a part of it was, you know, being able to take something that established and creating it for a new generation, But another part of it was the fact that I have an editorial background. Mm -hmm. And so when doing editorial, um, especially on projects that require a lot of moving pieces and a lot of uh, creators and a lot of their agents and getting them paid, it's a lot of, uh, it requires uh, a lot of great time management and great organization. And um, it's those sort of things that will help you with syndicated comics, because with syndicated comics, there is no end, you know? Yeah. And so you have to be able to output regularly um, for an extended period of time and consistently. And so she said that my background in editorial showed that I can do something like that with ease, even though it is, you know, it's kind of a, a grueling project of a daily comic strip, you know, for who knows how long. Right. <laughs> That's so cool.
0: And then, so um, when you were, when you were taking that on, I guess, did you have, do you have like a, a weekly schedule and deadline and all of those things that you, you also manage?
1: Yeah, for sure. So there are some comics that are more like current event gag strips. And then there are some comics that are more story focused and mine is more story focused. So I have the ability to write a lot of these strips ahead of time, you know, and so I write my strips about three months ahead of time. I do batches of like three months of of strips and um, I send those off to my editor. She goes through them, make sure that the storytelling feels right and that each individual strip still feels uh, somewhat complete. And then after that, it's just a matter of looking at my calendar and saying, okay, which ones are due this week? that's what I'm going to work on. And it's really helpful because then all I have to do is just look at my previous work and it's already there, what's written. It's just a matter of drawing it. So it's very helpful the way that I do it because I know there are definitely some other people who think of their entire week of story just like on a Monday or something, get them approved and that's what they do for that week. And that just feels a little too tightly scheduled for me. and I don't want to miss any deadlines and I want to be totally sure what I'm doing every day when I wake up you know
0: (laughs) right and so when you do draw do you draw do you like do you do it on computer do you do it on
1: yes so I'm fully digital artist um I do like drawing you know with pencil on paper but um for what I do I I typically do digital which is helpful for me because it uh I would say it like triples the speed and the output of the kind of comics that I can put out and since I do have to do so many um I just I wouldn't be able to do it traditionally it would just take too long right yeah I could start six months ago yeah exactly exactly and then like oh gosh I make like uh I make mistakes all the time like I am terrible with spelling (laughs) because I'm just like I'm going so fast that it doesn't matter to me how it's spelled (laughs) as long as it's done so um it definitely helps that it's digital so I can go back and make changes if needed you know
0: yeah thank god for things like Grammarly that
1: exist where you
0: can be like oh I can just you know correct all. yeah there's like
1: an actual you know copy editor on staff for Andrews McNeil. So um, they pretty much take a look at it all the time and, and small things they'll edit themselves. But like, there are times where I've like, I forgot to color in a character or, <laughs> you know because when you're doing so many, you know yeah. you get just so like hyper focused on the assembly line aspect of it. You yeah. know, that yes. it, sometimes you, I miss some small things.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's human, you know, I, I like true talking to kids about making mistakes because i feel like from a child's perspective you know they're like oh grown ups don't make mistakes or right. people who have really important jobs don't make mistakes and so i think it's healthy that you you know talk about it too oh yeah,
1: yeah. for sure i mean you know none of us are machines you know yeah. so there's always going to be some little thing that i can fix i do try my best <laughs> yeah. But, so, you know,
0: um, you did you did I see that you had early self-published work?
1: Uh, Yeah, I, I, I did. I wouldn't say it was self-published before I got my career going. Okay. Um, I did most of my self-published stuff after my career started, oh, mostly okay. because I don't like it. <laughs> I just like <laughs> I really like being able to just turn in my work. And then you take care of the printing, right. you take care of the like, you know, specs for all of that. Um, I really appreciate having publishers um, who do yeah. that kind of tedious work. Um, but I am also glad that I did do some self-publishing stuff. I, it was a point in time where my first book had come out and I was in between like major projects. And so I was like, I literally have no excuse not to try i have the time right now you know and so that's when i made my encyclopedia brown comic that's when i made receiving transmissions and um while i enjoyed doing the encyclopedia brown one because it was based on something that is already established Mm -hmm. uh receiving transmissions which was entirely new i hated the entire process (laughs) but I'm glad that I did it. You know, like there are people who love that comic and I'm really glad that they enjoy it. Um, but I know I will not be doing that again.
0: (laughs) It's good to know, you know, what worked, what didn't, what you like and what you don't.
1: Absolutely. There are so many, uh, creators out there and upcoming creators who, don't realize that you don't have to do everything. You know, I tell someone that I'm a cartoonist and they're like, oh, do you write like your own characters and stuff? No, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. (laughs) I want things to be uh, pretty planned out. So yeah, yeah, I think it's really helpful to always say you have options, you know, you don't have to do every single part of the comic process to still be a cartoonist. Power
0: of teamwork.
1: That's right. Right. (laughs) For sure. I love having collaborators. I think that's one of the best parts about the comics format, actually, is that, you know, you can have an artist and a writer and a colorist and a letterer and an editor, and this entire team builds something together. And I feel like that's just a a really cool aspect of of comics that isn't um it's not what a lot of people anticipate you know people hear comics and they're like oh it was the writer's idea and the artist just draws it for the writer and that's right. not the case you know it's all of our baby <laughs> right. bring something to it you know yeah and
0: you've worked on a lot of anthologies mm-hmm. also what's yes. what has been um i guess some of the highlights of working on those do you have a favorite one that you've done
1: Oh, gosh, I'm not going to say what my favorite anthology is. I don't know who's (laughs) listening. (laughs) But I did have a lot of great experiences and a lot of them. Um, I know when I did Power and Magic Volume 2, I really appreciated working with the editor, uh, Jomet, because they're also a letterer. And so they were able to give me some guidance on better lettering, uh, which was really, really helpful, because I have to letter Heart of the City by myself, you know, so I'm learning, I was learning new skills as I was doing the comic for that anthology. Um, But there's one that's coming up that I'm working on, it's actually for a a comic magazine, and uh, I'm excited to play around with the different things that I can do. I think that's one of the nice parts about anthologies is that they are short, Um, But you still get paid for them. And you also get an opportunity to learn what it's like to work in that industry, whether it's learning how to work with an editor or learning how to set up your pages for print, all of that you can get out of working uh, on anthology. So I always recommend people if they're just getting started um, to just go full speed ahead and try and get into those anthologies. And some anthologies, if you don't have an artist, maybe they'll match you up with an artist. Or if you don't have a writer, maybe they'll match you up with a writer. So um, it's a really great option for new creators for sure.
0: That's that's really good advice. And then I also saw that you're working on another project. It's the history of tabletop role-playing
1: games. Yes, exactly. Yes. Good job. <laughs> what is the history
0: of role playing games? I don't know. I want to-
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's a really cool project. It's called Side Quest. It's a graphic novel history of TTRPGs or tabletop role playing games, and I am writing it with my co collaborator um, Sam Satin and we are your avatars that will take you throughout space and time to see the history of tabletop role-playing games. So we go back to Han Dynasty China, we go through Iran and we go through uh, Germany and how things have changed over time and how it all leads to what tabletop role-playing games are today. So it's a a very ambitious project, that's for sure. Um, But it's been really fun. I've learned a lot about the history of tabletop role-playing games, and I've been uh, able to really stretch my uh, comic-making skills with it. Because, you know, when you're working with nonfiction, you kind of have to think about other things, like... Visual representation has to be pretty exact. You know, you can't really just make it up on the fly. Right. So, and I think the hardest part of that book right now is that because we're going through space and time, there are some points in time where there are no references for things, you know. So, I'm basing my knowledge of what Han Dynasty China looked like from vases or from yeah. paintings, you know. So, are I think that's. Like, are you getting to travel
0: and go and visit like old historical? No? No.
1: (laughs) Not at all. No. Um, If they had paid for that, that would be cool. (laughs) cool. (laughs) But yeah, typically for that sort of thing, um, no, comic artists are not treated like journalists and have that option to do that sort of research. You kind of have to do it on your own and figure it out. So Um, but Hey, who knows? Maybe, um, it will be a really successful book and people want to fly me out to new places.
0: (laughs) Right. And you could do author events. That's true. Who knows? No, putting it out there. (laughs) Exactly. And so for, um, future generations and people who are inspired to do the things that you do, um, what kind of wisdom and words of wisdom do you have for them?
1: Mm. Um. there's a couple different things but I, I know when it comes to cartoonists I would recommend starting now start when you feel the urge to start because a lot of people will wait until they feel like they're better at drawing or they're better at inking or they're better at coloring and it's like you only get better at those things if you practice so you have to just go ahead and make it I found that I learned more about the comics making process from doing my first graphic novel archival quality than any of the other short comics that I did. So, um, I say, if you have an idea for something, just go into it and, and, and start. And another piece of advice would be to start small. Your first book doesn't have to be your magnum opus, you know, your first uh, comic can be three pages long, but it's, it's really all about completion. And, uh, perfection is the enemy of completion. So try not to uh, hem and haw over your piece for too long, because you know, you're always going to find something that you want to change, just try and get it to as complete as you feel is enough for someone to understand the story and you go from there.
0: That's such good advice. Yeah. And I think that's true for for anybody who's starting out as an artist. Anyone who's starting out as a writer, um, you know, I, God, I look back at my first children's books that I wrote and I'm yeah. like, don't look at them. Don't, don't <laughs> buy them.
1: Don't look at them. They're horrible. Throw them away. I, you know, sometimes I feel that way about my first book too, but I have to also remember that you know, we are the creators, right? So, we're always going to look at our old stuff and be like, Oh, geez, right. like, oh, you bought that, but it could be someone's favorite book, you know, you never know. So, That's right. yeah,
0: and do you have any um, new, exciting projects on the horizon? I mean, it seems yeah. like.
1: Too, for sure. but Yeah, I always have a lot of different projects, but yeah. I think the, the one that I can most talk about is uh, the Unico Awakenings project. So, if you are familiar with the Tezuka manga Unico, um, they're actually um, revamping the original story with a new writer and a new artist. And in that collection, they will also have different artifacts. So mini comics, postcards, that sort of thing. And I'm doing a 10 page mini comic uh, on Unico. Um, In my story, he gets dropped off at a uh, a bodega and changes lives. So (laughs) yeah, so if you want to get in on that, the Kickstarter is still going for the next few weeks. Um, And it would be really great if you could check out the Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, we can put a link to the Kickstarter
1: in yeah. the so that
0: people can check it out and I'll um, have it underneath too. So if you scroll down in the feed, you'll be able to see it. That is very cool. I love
1: Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. it's great. And I also find that a lot of uh, retailers can get in on Kickstarter as well, which is really helpful because I find that like when you're doing kickstarters you want to get individuals but if you get a retailer that means they're going to buy more and they're going to like get more people to look at it too so yeah cool
0: well I'm very excited for all that you're doing and um I was reading that you were inspired when you were was it when you first started working that you saw um a comic by Brittany Williams yes and you were like oh my gosh she's a
1: black cartoonist Yeah, (laughs) is that, did I read that correctly? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I was just like, you know, I've always been involved in comics in some way, whether I'm reading them, whether I was watching, you know, the animated series for them. And it wasn't until I started working at the comic book store where I actually got to see what comic book artists actually looked like, that it kind of pinged to me that, Mm -hmm. oh, I could also do this. right? It really is a matter of like seeing as believing because it wasn't even a thing of oh I can't make comics it just never came up as an option in my mind even though I was surrounded by comics you know right so <laughs> it, it it really is powerful to see someone that looks like you doing yeah. something that you want to do and being like actually I can do that too <laughs> yeah it's like that light bulb moment Wait, oh yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I do stuff like this all the time. I I love doing like interviews and talking to people about comics because it's like if there's one person that listens to this interview and sees my face, they can have their light bulb go off too and say maybe I can do comics as well. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here and best of luck with everything you do um we will post a a link to this amazing book
1: it is fun it is funny (laughs) oh and then also if you read the first book and you want more that book ends uh november 15th of 2020 so if you go to gocomics.com and you look up heart of the city go to november 16th and you can continue the story from there
0: awesome Thank you so much. You're so welcome for being here and have a great day. Thanks.